Welcome into my state of the market video for August 2022. Thank you guys for being here on my most important piece of content of the entire month. The clips, the podcast, all of that is awesome. It's a ton of fun, but this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we're going to go in deep and talk about what is happening in the market. This is the video that you want to clip, that you want to share, that you want to study so that you can pass that info onto your customers, onto your community, and together build a more educated consumer. And so let's dive right into this, guys, uh, because there are a lot of things that are happening in the current housing market that I think people need to know about. I just had a training with some young agents yesterday and they were talking about the media. They were talking about news and how, you know, there's all this information that really confuses people. People are scared, inflation, interest rates, all these different terms, recession. And so we're going to dive into what that actually means and how it affects the real estate market. And I think that you'll be surprised by what is coming and what is being forecasted. So the question of every month, what is happening in the current housing market? So the kind of uh, what would be the appropriate word? The magnifying glass right now is on interest rates. It has been over the past six months. So this graph, as you can see, back in early January, we had rates about 3.22. Then they steadily started to climb up to the peak, which was about late June, 5.81. But since then, we've seen some drops, right? We, we're seeing a lot of volatility in the market, 5.81, 5.7, 5.3. And now they've actually dropped below 5% in most cases, which is something that had not happened since uh, May or April. So since April, we had not seen sub 5% interest rates. And now we're back there for most programs, not all programs, but for a lot of programs, we are seeing a steady drop. And so let's talk about what that means, right? So the, uh, the National Bureau of Economic Research defines a recession as a significant decline in economic activity spread across the economy, lasting more than a few months, normally visible in real GDP, real income, employment, industrial production, and wholesale retail sales. So there's this word, right? Recession. The reason everybody's watching interest rates is because there's this recession, recession, recession. We hear this word. And so right now there's a little bit of debate as to what it actually means to be in a, in a recession or not be in a recession. And so what I go off of is just the technical definition of what is a recession, which is two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth, or basically no GDP growth because you're in the red, you're in negative numbers. The GDP did not grow for two consecutive quarters. And so some people will say we are in a recession, we're not. So here is kind of a historical uh, breakdown of what has happened in the past. So here we see the number of consecutive negative quarters all the way back to 1949. And every single time that we have consecutive quarters of negative growth, there's a recession. Every single time without fail, there's always a recession. So if history tells us anything, what does that say for us down here? Quarter one, we're in the red. Quarter two, we're in the red. So the typical definition of recession would say that we are indeed in a recession. And so with that in mind, the immediate follow-up question is what does that mean for the real estate industry? What does that mean for the consumer? And what do they need to know in order to make 
the appropriate decisions. And so this is an interesting chart right here because in July of last year, only 12% of economists thought that we would be in a recession in the next 12 months. So that number has skyrocketed from 12% all the way up to 49%. So now half of economists out there believe that we indeed will see a recession. We, we either are in one now or we will be in one in the next 12 months. So that is tremendous because that speaks to the speed of how things have been changing and the shifting market to where even economists are now changing their minds as to what is going to happen. And that's significant for us to know so that we can try to get ahead of what is coming and help our people make the best decisions. And so the follow-up question, how would housing be impacted by a recession, whether that be new builds, whether that be already built, single family, multifamily, what exactly is going on? And so the important thing to realize here, guys, is that a recession does not mean falling prices. And there are a lot of people that are stuck on the sidelines waiting for prices to fall because there's this idea that recession equals falling prices. But the reality, the historical precedent is just not there. If we see the last six recessions in only two of them, did prices come down? 1991, you see a very small decline, but it very quickly recovers. Uh, but it still technically went down 2%, but that was very short lived. It bounced back very, very fast. And then you have 2008 where it goes down 20%, but the recession was caused specifically by the real estate industry is specifically by these mortgage backed securities that ended up failing. And so because real estate is the cause of the 2008 recession, you see a tremendous drop, but in all of the other recessions, we see appreciation. We see prices going up. And so again, historical precedent, what does that say for what is going to happen during this recession when the real estate industry is not the one responsible for it. It's more of a COVID situation. The housing market is not responsible for this recession. So it hasn't been responsible for these other ones and prices have gone up. So what do you think is going to happen this time around? But here's the kicker. Recession does mean falling mortgage rates, not higher prices, but lower rates. That's an important distinction to make for yourself and for your clients that, you know, you can anticipate that interest rates are going to start to fall. We already saw that in the previous graph. They're starting to come down a little bit. So you see all the way back from the 1980s, down 4.25%, down 5%. So in every single one, even in 2008, guys, surprisingly, rates came down. In 2020, rates came down a full point. That's how we got to the threes. So I think that we're going to see something very similar because again, just follow the historical precedent, follow the history and that can give you a pretty good idea of what is going to happen this time around. This is a quick graph. I won't spend too much time on this, but we have recessions are these gray bars and you see that interest rates fell 16% to 11.75. Just take a look at this guys, just for context. In uh, April of 1980, rates were 16%. When you look at uh, April of 1982, rates were 18%. They fell all the way to 13%. It's crazy. We're sitting here. People will literally not buy a house because their rate is 5.5. 
when you know we had 6%, 7.35%, 11%, and this isn't that far back. We're talking about 2009 rates at 6%, 2002 rates at 7.375%. So this is in our lifetimes, 1991, 11% interest rates. And right now we're crying because we can't get a sub five, which is just, it just it's a complete lack of context to the historical data and where we've been before and how good it is now, even though it's gone up. So yes, it's gone up, but I mean, guys, 1991, 11%, 2002, 7%. We're not even close to that. People are closing at 4.75, 5.5, still tremendous rates if we talk from a historical perspective. So keep that perspective and help the consumer understand that though, yes, it has gone up, it's still very, very good. So I love this quote from Fortune. It says, quote, over the past five recessions, mortgage rates have fallen an average of 1.8 percentage points from the peak seen during the recession to the trough. And in many cases, they continue to fall after the fact as it takes some time to turn things around, even when the recession is technically over. So if we are in a recession, that tells us that mortgage rates are going to fall an average of two points. So if we're in this limbo, where at the height of the interest rate spike. We were at about 6%. If this average holds true, two points of drop will be around the fours, somewhere between four and 5%. I think that is a much healthier interest rate. And as you saw in the previous graph, historically, it's tremendous. If you get a 4.5, anything, even a five is amazing. And so we need to keep that context. So uh, the other question is, is the housing market going to crash? It is the number one question on Google. Is the housing market going to crash? It is all over the place. I mean, just look it up. Google it. The most searched terms. This is one of the most searched questions that America has on their mind. So it all comes down to supply and demand. This is what we need to understand. And the consumer needs to understand. Look at this graph, 2007, eight, nine. There was so much supply right? 10 month supply, 8.9 month supply, like just so many homes that nobody wanted to buy. They were just sitting on the market for months and months and months, just empty. Now we are at about three, three months inventory. Now a normal market, what is a normal market? A normal, a normal market is about six months of inventory. So, and we've, we've been, you know, historically a little bit low, right? But we have seen 5.9, 6.5, uh, we've typically been somewhere between four and five months of inventory. We're still not close to that. We're still hundreds of thousands of homes below that. And so the market will not crash because there's still high demand. It doesn't feel that way because it's kind of come to a very abrupt stop or abrupt slowdown. I should say not an abrupt stop, an abrupt slowdown. And so it feels like it's going to crash. But again, historically speaking, we're still in a very, very good place. And so we need to remember that we need to understand that. So um, also another big element to a housing crash is always new construction, right? How is it doing? How is new construction doing? If we see building permits, they've been higher. They're, they're still low. So a lot of builders right now are kind of waiting. They're not being so aggressive in building because they're saying, okay, the consumer is still freaked out. So the amount of buyers, the buyer pool has shrunk 
It's not as large as it was before. So we are not going to go out and build all of these houses if we're not sure that they're going to be able to sell. That is actually a good thing because again, if there aren't this over influx of homes, imagine if the builders just started building like crazy. Now there are homes everywhere. Nobody wants to buy them. That's where it can get a little bit risky. So they're being much more conservative now. If you see housing starts, everything is lower. Everything is lower. And so that is going to kind of keep everything in check to keep that balance of demand where they are slowly getting these building permits. They're, they're starting less projects to try to keep everything in check. And so this graph is incredibly important. Because the reason that the 2008 crash happens is because of the availability of mortgage credit. So there's this thing called the MCAI, the Mortgage Credit Availability Index. What this graphs is the higher it is, the easier it is to get a mortgage, if that makes sense. So the higher this goes, the easier it is, the less rules, the less regulations, the less things you have to prove. So it gets much easier to get a loan. So at the peak of this, at the end of 2006, we were at, at an 868.7, meaning it was harder to get denied than it was to get approved. Like everybody got a loan. There was stated income loans. You didn't even have to show your income, your taxes. Anybody with a pulse got a mortgage. That's what causes this problem in the first place. And so since then, the government has really tightened up the situation. So we're now, we're way lower, 119.6. It is actually difficult to get a mortgage. It's not easy. So there's a lot more steps, a lot more red tape, a lot more regulations, a lot more things that have to be documented and proven. And so it makes it more difficult to get a mortgage. And so that eliminates this problem, this housing bubble issue of everybody with a pulse has a mortgage. Now there are rules and regulations in place that make sure that the people that are buying homes are buying them because they can actually afford them. And because they can actually afford them, this reduces the amount of foreclosures. We'll go into that a little bit and it just makes for a much more stable and healthy market. So talking about foreclosures. Here again, historical data, you can see 2007 to 2015, over a million foreclosures per year. And right now in 2000, 2021, you see 151,000. Now, obviously with the pandemic, with these uh, forbearance programs, there was a moratorium on foreclosures, so people couldn't foreclose. So here's the kicker, because what the, the argument that people are, are making is they're saying, okay, there was this moratorium of foreclosures where banks could not foreclose. So because they couldn't foreclose, there is this whole bunch of people that would have been foreclosed on that couldn't be foreclosed on, if you will. So the idea was that as soon as the this forbearance COVID relief thing ends, then everybody's going to get foreclosed on. And all the people that didn't in 2020 and 2021 are going to, and this, this number is just going to skyrocket. Well, guess what? It's just not that way. It just, it just hasn't happened again. Now here you're seeing 2022, only 164,581 foreclosure filings, um, in the first half of the year. So we're not seeing that we're not seeing the spike in foreclosures that a lot of people were banking on to say that the market was going to crash. It's just not there. So when you talk about these forbearance programs, what people assumed was, okay, nobody can pay. 
So they're not going to pay for two years. And then as soon as the two years ends, they're going to give their house back and that's going to be it. Well, that didn't happen. 36.4% were paid in full, meaning what they owed from if they took six months forbearance, 12 month forbearance. As soon as that forbearance period was over, they paid it in full, right? So whether they 18.5% kept making their pay, their payments anyway, 6.7% paid it off, they refied it, whatever the case may be, and 11.2% were past due and they became current. So 36.4% paid in full, 45.2% worked out a repayment plan, a loan deferral, or a modification. And only 18.4% were still in trouble. Some were still in forbearance and they have no loss mitigation plan. It was 1% of you know short sales, uh, deeds in lieu, things like that, but very, very, very few. And so there's this surprise that everybody thought that America was going to bail on their real estate and they just didn't. It didn't happen. There's too much equity. There's too much wealth to be protected. And if somebody is really in trouble, they can just sell. Pretty much nobody is upside down right now. And so anybody that really gets in trouble can't pay their home. They can just turn around and sell it and make money and move on to the next thing. And so because that didn't happen, the market didn't crash. And it's not going to crash because these numbers are very, very good. Over, I mean, over 80% of people in these forbearance programs are just fine. They're going to be fine. They're continuing to make their payments. They're not going to give their homes back. Again, there's too much wealth to protect for that to happen. So uh, executive VP of market intelligence says, quote, foreclosure activity across the United States continued its slow, steady climb back to pre-pandemic levels in the first half of 2022. While overall foreclosure activity is still running significantly below historic averages, The dramatic increase in foreclosure starts suggests that we may be back to normal levels by sometime in early 2023. So normal levels, there's this word again, normal, normality, what is typical 2020, 2021, absolutely not normal. We're getting back to normal and back to normal is not a crash. Here, we're going to talk a little bit about months inventory. We talked a little bit about this previously, but again, there's this uh, six to seven month uh, kind of threshold that determines if we're in a buyer's market or a seller's market. Neutral is about six to seven months of inventory right now. Nationally, we're at about three, somewhere between three and four months of inventory. Different markets can skew those numbers a little bit. For example, here in Utah, we're a little bit over four So just over four months of inventory, but that's still in the green. That's still a seller's market. So this is an important graph to show sellers that they can still get top dollar for their homes. They're just not going to get 80 K above. So I was having a conversation with someone that wants to list their property just two days ago and they wanted 575 and all of the comps that I pulled up gave me an average price of about 525, 530. A year ago, he would have gotten 575 because the market was the way that it was. Right now he may, but more, more than likely he might, maybe he can get 550, maybe he can get 545, but it doesn't mean that his home is losing value. It's just that people aren't going to overpay as much because there are more options, but you're still in the green. That's the punchline. We're still in the green nationwide. We're still... I mean, we're not even close to a neutral market or a buyer's market. We're still maybe bottom half of the green. So it's still a great time to sell. It's just 
sellers think that we're way up here and it's just not true. So what's ahead for the rest of 2022? Here's where it gets a little bit interesting, guys. Mortgage rate projections, as we've seen, uh, rates tend to fall when we're in a recession. So from quarter four, 2022, we're gonna see a steady drop, 5.3, 5.2, 5.18, down to sub fives, which we're already there in many cases, but this is just kind of general across the board. And so what is gonna happen when these rates start to drop? Quote, there could be a potential silver lining for the market, he added, as stabilizing mortgage rates and rising inventory may bring back may bring some buyers back to the market during the second half of the year. So I've been talking about this for weeks. There's this window of opportunity right now where rates are still very good and there's less competition. So we're seeing things like closing costs being paid, things like I mean, I've asked for repairs and professional carpet cleaning and just all these different things that you couldn't ask for before, not to mention just the no cash above appraisal, the offers at list price, even sometimes even a little bit below, uh, that is possible right now because people don't understand this info. Once they do, and once we start to see sub five rates across the board, the buyers are going to come back. And when buyers come back, the pressure is going to mount. There's going to be more competition. So it's going to be a little bit harder. You're going to be competing against more people, probably not as crazily as you were before. But now if right now you're competing against four offers, you might be competing against eight or nine, not 20, but quite a few more than you're seeing right now. So that's the punchline to buyers. There's a good window of opportunity right now that you can get very buyer friendly deals because people don't understand this stuff that we're talking about. All they see, like my agents that I trained yesterday talked about was it's going to crash. It's going to crash and everything sucks and the sky is falling. Well, the data doesn't suggest that. So the people that are smart and the people that can understand this stuff can communicate that, help people make good decisions, not based on their opinion, but based on data and then they can help them move forward. So home price forecast for 2022, about 10.3%, still double digits, guys. I mean, double digits. Homes are still going to go up in value, just not as fast. So it's a healthy market. We're getting back to normal. And I think everybody should want that. Uh, quote from Mark Zandi, chief economist of Moody's Analytics. He says, quote, I don't think national housing prices will decline in a meaningful way but there will be some price declines across the country. Obviously, where will those price declines come? With situations where homes are overpriced. If your home is overpriced, it's not gonna sell. You're gonna have to drop your price, drop your price, drop your price. So when you're seeing, and here's another misconception, because people are hearing about home prices falling. And what they mean by that is that the, the list price is dropping. Why is the list price dropping? It's dropping because you overpriced it in the first place because you weren't able to explain to the seller where you were at. And so now you listed it at 600 when the comp said 540 and now you got to start bringing it down. So there's a large number of price decreases, but it's not because the market is crashing. It's because you overpriced it in the first place. And that's going to happen with anything in any industry, if something is overpriced, the price is going to have to come down. The market is going to force that price to come down 
And that is what we're seeing. So existing home sales, we're getting back to pre-pandemic levels. We're going to have 5.1 million homes sold in this country versus 2020, 2021, which were not average, not typical, not normal. Uh, we should probably just scratch this from history because uh, it just wasn't normal and hopefully it never happens again. So we're getting back to these pre-pandemic levels. Uh, total home sales forecast in millions. So January 2022 and July 2022. So a drop-off, less homes, but still good numbers. Three reasons to buy a home today, guys. This is what we have to push out there. Number one, fewer multiple offer scenarios. April, 5.5 offers. May, 4.2. June, 3.4. Less competition, more buyer-friendly offers. Number two, fewer homes selling above asking price. April, 61% sold over. May, 55. June, 51% sold over asking. Buyer-friendly deals. And number three, supply of homes for sale is growing. April, 2.2 month supply, 2.6. Now we're at three. As I said, here in Utah, we're closer to four, but still not even close to that six to seven month inventory that we would need to see in order to have a neutral slash buyer's market. And so this is the info, guys, that we need to be sharing. And if we don't understand it, then we're going to have a hard time and we're not going to be able to combat this negative news cycle or these scare tactics that are happening when it's just not the reality. I am seeing tremendous activity. I'm seeing people that are selling one property, doing 1031 exchanges, then buying fourplexes. I mean, it's crazy. But why is that? It's because they have a little bit of experience. And they understand these cycles and they know what's happening and they don't just listen to the news. They go a little bit deeper. They've been through a couple of recessions. So they sit and they think about what happened previously and they're like, oh, you know, we're going to be fine. We're going to be okay. But for a lot of consumers, they either don't have that context or they never take the time to sit and think about it in a meaningful way to where they can you know, ultimately make those decisions and not give into the, the, the fear and the scare tactics. So this is about combating fear with data, combating fear with historical precedent, not making stuff up, not your opinion, but what does the past tell us? What is happening? Why is it happening? And when you understand that, that is true value. So I hope that this is helpful guys, share this, pass it on, and we'll be back next month.